Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, March 16th. I'm Carol Gold. Welcome to Think for Yourself. For this podcast, I have no notes in front of me. I've done no research. The only input that it's about to be shared with you is my experiences and my observations over the last few days. This morning, I watched in real time President Zelensky of Ukraine delivering his address, his plea really, to the United States Joint Session of Congress. It was a brilliantly and beautifully crafted, emotionally charged speech in which he is pleading for assistance, military as well as humanitarian, to end the aggression of Russia against his country, against innocent women and children. This whole Ukrainian situation is, to me, a startling example of the absurdity between political left and right. Here's why. I have friends on both sides of the political spectrum, and I listen and read people on both sides of the political spectrum. There are people on the left who are out there clamoring at the slaughter that is taking place in the Ukraine, that those people have a right to their own lives, they have a right to their own peace, they have a right to speak their own minds. These people on the left are appalled by the oppressive tactics that the Russian government takes, that Putin takes to keep people suppressed in his own country, the complete lack of free speech, his refusal to allow the slightest form of political opposition to what he stands for and the oppression under which he seeks to keep the Russian population. I don't understand that because these same people on the left, whether they're media stars or whether they are simply the average leftist in America, want people silenced in this country for expressing political opposition to the trend of the moment. I mean, we had Mitt Romney calling for, calling Tulsi Gabbard, who is a veteran of Iraq and who has served, obviously, in the U.S. military, calling her treasonous, calling her an asset of the Russian government, of Putin. We have people seeking to have Tucker Carlson investigated, maybe even jailed, for daring to speak a political opposing view. When did that happen in this country? And how do the same people who condemn what Putin does in Russia to silence his own people from political opposition, when did it happen that it's okay to, to do that here? That it's okay to not speak out when it happens here? You know, Calling someone treasonous is a very specific charge 
The Constitution, it's the only word in the Constitution that is defined. Treason is very narrow, and you can't be accused of treason without A, being in a declared act of war, and Two, without having two witnesses testify to your treasonous act or your treasonous words. Well, we're not at war with Russia. There's no declared war with Russia. And so calling anyone treasonous for having an opinion that differs from what the administration or the media left thinks it ought to be is the complete misuse of not only the word, but application of the Constitution. You know, I almost don't know where to begin in this podcast. There is so much to me that is wrong with what's happening. I just took a shot at the left. Now let me take a shot at the right, of which I am more inclined because I'm more conservative than anything else. I have a lot of friends on the right, people who I communicate with daily, who believe that Vladimir Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, is a, an Obama puppet that he was put in place by Obama, that in fact what Putin is doing is fighting the good fight because he is attempting to bring down this Davos one world government, world economic forum agenda. So, okay, so to me, that's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but people believe it. I think both sides are crazy. I think looking at this through a political lens, looking through this, looking at this through a constitutional lens is the wrong lens. When I listened to Zelensky this morning, you know, let me just back up for a minute. After I listened, I turned on Glenn Beck, obviously a name that raises ire in many people. But I've come to see that he can be right about a lot of things. He's got really good instincts about trends and where things are going. And yet after the Zelensky speech, which he listened to on air so that his listeners could hear it as well, he and his staff were discussing sort of the audacity of Zelensky in demanding, in a sense, that the U.S. and the Western world step up and help them, help the Ukrainians, because the position that they were taking was they're not a NATO nation, Ukraine, they're not a member of NATO. We have no treaty with them to support them or to help defend them. So why is that our responsibility? Why does he make that sound as if it's something we need to do? And if we don't do it, we should be ashamed of ourselves. I think what Zelensky was pleading to was not our politics, but our humanity. When I listen to this man speak, he's really not saying, come help us because we should be part of NATO. Come help us because we're more like the West than we are like communist countries around the world. He's saying, we're all humans. This is a humanitarian problem. This is understanding that we're all connected. What I always say on this podcast, there's only one of us. There's only one of us. We're branches on a tree. And is this not what happened in World War II? Did the world not want to get involved in what Hitler was doing in Europe when he entered Czechoslovakia, when he entered Poland? You know, it wasn't our fight. It wasn't Great Britain's fight until it was. It wasn't our fight until it was. It wasn't our fight until Pearl Harbor. 
evil doesn't know borders. Evil doesn't stop of its own accord. Evil metastasizes. Evil unchecked will spread as far and as wide as it can. Because the only thing that stops evil is good. The only thing that stops evil is the light. The only thing that stops evil is good people standing up, not good people doing nothing. And so when I watch the videos of Ukraine, when I watch the the children, the bodies of children, when I watch mass graves, bodies being thrown into mass graves, I don't care about Nancy Pelosi. I don't care about Mitch McConnell. I don't care about Joe Biden. I don't care about Vladimir Putin. I care that fellow human beings of which I am part of a whole are being slaughtered while we allow it to happen. Why? Well, we don't want to get drawn into a bigger war. Yeah, well, we didn't want to get drawn into a bigger one in in World War II either. We didn't want to get drawn into one in Syria with the Chinese, with the Russians. But having dinner at Mar-a-Lago with President Trump, Premier Xi, while eating his chocolate cake for dessert, heard President Trump turn to him and say, oh, by the way, I'm attacking Syria as we sit here. And there were Russians killed in Syria when we bombed Syria because Syria had used chemical weapons on its own people. We killed Russian advisors who were there, Russian tech people who were teaching them how to use the equipment that had been brought from Russia, that had been brought from Iran. There was no blowback from Russia. There was no blowback from Xi. Why? because they were scared of Trump, because whether they thought he was brilliant or whether they thought he was insane, they didn't know what he would do next. And they believed that he had an itchy finger. They believed that he had a twitchy eye. They believed that he was capable of doing rash things. And that's the only thing that bullies understand. You know, if you live in the Middle East, you've known your whole life that the only thing that the Arab world respects is force. Anything they consider as conciliatory or negotiable or an enemy or an adversary who is weak, they perceive that as the go-ahead, the green light. They only respect equal and opposite opposition. And that's the way all bullies are. And that's the way all tribal mentality is. Putin is being allowed in a way to get away with what he's doing. Yes, he's getting a bigger fight than he bargained for. And yes, there may be aspects of the one world government at play in all of this, because after all, look at how the Western world and Western governments have organized like on a dime to stop doing business, to cut Russia out of the swift financial transaction system. How come all of these Western companies, Coca-Cola and Nike and Apple and everybody else suddenly on a dime isn't doing business with Russia. Did they all become humanitarian? Did they all stop caring about their corporate bottom line profit obligation to their shareholders? No, this great reset, this one world Davos controlled autocracy has gotten to all of them. Well, it's nice to see them cut off Putin, but they'll cut you off and they'll cut me off at the same time if it serves their greater agenda. So there are a lot of things at play here in the moment that are at play over Ukraine. Is Zelensky an Obama puppet? I don't know. 
Is Putin fighting the good fight against a one world government? I don't know. Is Davos evil? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Tonight at sundown begins the Jewish holiday of Purim. And if you are Jewish or Christian, and maybe even if you're Muslim, I don't know, you are familiar with the book of Esther, which is where the holiday of Purim comes from. I'm fasting today because it's what you are supposed to do before the holiday of Purim begins at sundown. Why do we fast? Because the book of Esther teaches us the following. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history here because I think the context is brilliant and applies to Zelensky and what's happening all around us as I speak. The Persian king Ahasuerus, which historians believe was actually the Persian king Xerxes, which is a historical figure we know accurately, but in the book of Esther in Hebrew, his name is Ahasuerus. The king called in his wife, Vashti, to dance naked before him and his court after they had all been drinking and were carrying on. And he may or may not have realized what he was asking for, but she refused. In her refusal, she established a bit of an uproar and his princes and his servants, shall we say, his political servants said that he should take away the queen's status and get a new queen. He probably also killed her in the process. But in search of a new queen, he sent out a memorandum of sorts to the entire lands that he ruled and asked for the fairest of the fair to be brought into the capital city of Shushan and he would pick a queen. He did that. He picked a woman named Hadassah, her Hebrew name, only he did not know she was a Jew. Her Greek name became Esther, and she became queen. The king had a right-hand man, so to speak, secretary of state, if you would. His name was Haman, and Haman was a really bad guy. And Esther had been raised by her uncle because her parents died and her uncle was named Mordecai. And Esther kept her lineage secret when she became queen for fear of retribution. However, Haman carried a hatred for Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow to Haman when Haman was in the public square. And bowing was the traditional way to honor a public official. But Mordecai, both for his religious commitment and for other reasons, refused. And so Haman tried to set him up, so to speak, with the king to have him killed. Mordecai was not only going to be the one killed, but in his vengeance, Haman asked the king to kill all the Jews within his empire. And the king, honoring Haman, agreed. Mordecai found out, the decree went out all across the land, and Mordecai went to Esther and said, you have to go into the king, tell him who you are, and ask that he spare the Jews. And she said, I can't do that, because if I go in and tell him who I am, and I go in uninvited, which was a breach of protocol, he will kill me. And Mordecai said to Esther, if you think you can escape consequences yourself by saving yourself and your family. You're wrong. Rescue for the Jews will come from another source. And in the end, you and your family will die anyway. She believed him. She fasted for three days and three nights. She went into the king. 
she asked for a favor. And the favor was that the king and Haman come to her apartment for a feast the next night. They came and the king asked her whatever she wanted, he would give her. She said, I'd like you to come back a second night. He came back. They came back a second night. And on the second night, she told the king what Haman had devised. And she asked that Haman be killed. And so on the gallows that Haman had built to hang Mordecai, he was hung himself, as were his ten sons. And the decree that had gone out for the Jews to be slaughtered was followed by a decree that said the king supported the Jews and they could defend themselves to the utmost. As a result, there was no slaughter of the Jews. In fact, there was slaughter of those who attempted to kill the Jews after the king's second decree went out. And it remains to this day a holy day in Judaism. But there's an incredible message in all of that. And I left out some of the story, and those of you who know it well will know what I left out. But here's the brilliance. Here we are on the fast day before the commemoration of Purim, the fast day when President Zelensky is before the world by way of the United States Congress pleading for his people not to be slaughtered. It's not a role he sought. It's not a role Esther sought. She started out as a simple young woman with no aspirations. Zelensky started out as an actor and wound up at the moment with the lead role on the world stage. I believe this isn't about politics. I believe that today there are Jews and non-Jews who have been asked to fast across this world for the Ukrainian people. I believe in miracles. I believe in divine timing. I believe in synchronicity. I believe there are no accidents. I believe that the Bible is instructive, if not always clear and understandable. I believe that we are living through what could be described as a higher version on the cosmic spiral of events that took place thousands of years ago. We're just seeing it played out at a different frequency, at a different level. I believe that there will be a turnaround in the near future. What I don't know is who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. What I do know is that there's only one of us. We're all connected. We're all responsible for what happens to those women and children and innocents in the Ukraine. And I do know that evil metastasizes. And I do know that bullies only respect equal opposition to the force that they are projecting onto others. This is our call. This is our time. If you know nothing else about what to do, pray for the people of Ukraine. Because when you do that, you are praying for yourself. You know, there is a poem from World War II. The author is, his last name is Nimor, Niemauer, I believe. And it's called, First They Came for the Jews. If you don't know it, look it up. Look it up online. Because in essence, it's the message of today. If you don't stop evil when it's far away, and you allow evil to creep closer and closer to you and destroy everything in its path as it approaches, by the time it gets to you, by the time it gets to me, there's no one left to help us fight off evil.
and it will consume everything and everyone in its path. I am expecting a miracle. And the miracle that I'm expecting is the uncovering of who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. And I'm expecting what is called the circumcision of the human heart, that whatever it is that keeps us from feeling that we are all connected to one another and therefore all responsible for one another, that that be removed, that that obstacle to true empathy and true compassion be removed so that we understand that we are all part of humanity and as such, we are all responsible for what we do to one another, be it near or far away. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up for a somewhat with a somewhat groggy voice from fasting. No fluids, no food. I'll be back here again on Friday, and maybe we'll be able to look at a miracle in hindsight. I'm Carol Gold. You've been listening to Think for Yourself, and until I'm back here again, please do. Think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.